there, Angela Cote here, Franchise Growth Catalyst, and welcome to the very first episode of the Franchise Growth Catalyst podcast. You might be wondering, why a podcast? Well, if you've been following me on social media, you'll probably notice I've been putting out videos where I share my insights and tips about franchising and business growth through videos and articles, and you know, engagement has really been on the rise. And so I thought it might make sense to have a more structured forum where I can share my insights and provide tips for my audience and, and try to uh, help franchisors be more strategic about where they're spending their time, money, and energy. I also really like the idea of having an opportunity to invite my clients or other guests on to share what they're learning and share things that they're doing that are having big impact for them. And, you know, if you've been following me on social media, you probably know that one of my key messages to people is that it's better to do something than to do nothing. And so here I am, I'm walking the talk and literally talking the talk. Um, and really, I'm going to have, have to have a shout out to Jack Munson of Social Geek Radio to really thank him for the encouragement and support, support with engineering, but the encouragement to get going on this. So what kind of content should you be expecting if you're going to listen to this podcast and who's this for? Well, my initial plan is to share tips and tricks that will benefit any or all of the following audience. Okay, so this is going to meld a little bit together because there is some crossover in the tips. Sometimes tips that I share and insights that I share relate to uh, a variety of different uh, range of franchisors. But there's definitely going to be some tips for early franchisors that are um, either that have just started or they're, they, they're starting and they're trying to figure out, you know, where to focus their, their time and energy. Um, they may have that might be one or two units or might be zero units, but trying to find that first franchisee. And um, also for franchisors that are a little further along, you know, up to maybe even 30 or 40 units, um, you know, that's sort of the range of clients that I tend to work with. And, you know, when I work with my clients that are, that have 20 or 25 units, I, I find that um, when I talk about things that I'm doing with my clients that are at earlier stages, they often perk up and go, wait, I, we're not actually doing that. And, you know, it's because I wasn't working with them when they were at that level and I didn't realize we hadn't checked back on that. And so there's things that they're learning and they're realizing, oh, shoot, we should probably implement that as well. So that's why it's such a range. I've really found that, you know, there's possible learnings at all these different stages and that I find the people that I work with are picking up those nuggets, you know, even when I thought that they already knew things that they would um, have already known. So I'm confident that even, even if you're at like a hundred units and up, especially when it comes to the leadership side of things and the soft skills and supporting franchisees um, required, you know, the, the requirements to foster a culture of compliance and performance, I'm confident there'll still be some nuggets in here for you as well. So the topics that I am most passionate about and intend to cover include everything from, you know, how to figure out the right candidates for your team. Like who are the right candidates to try to attract uh, to your franchise company as franchisees? And then how do you find those people? What about the franchise recruitment process, including how to set up a win-win situation from the start and you know how to foster that right from the beginning, how to create buy-in with franchisees, um, how to fix messes. You know, often I get uh, required or sorry requested, you know, to have a conversation with a franchisor who has 10, 20, 25, 30 franchisees, and they've got a bit of a mess in there somewhere. Anybody that's watching this that has those is probably laughing because 
pretty much everybody experiences it. And that mess might be anything from franchisees who are, um, you know, disgruntled to uh, maybe just franchisees that are disengaged and lukewarm and tying up a territory where you could be selling franchises and, and uh, you know, tapping into that market but you've got somebody tying it up. So how do we fix that? How can we turn that around? Do we, how do we get them out without potentially having to spend a bunch of money on legal um, efforts? You know, if we can, let's try to get them out with a, a more amicable separation that leaves everybody with a win-win situation. Um, also things like how to properly support franchisees, how to support them to foster a culture of performance, um, how to help them understand the economics of their business. You know, a lot of franchisees come in because they're um, not as business savvy. They're looking for that support. And, and how can we do that best to really help them understand so that they're not like a deer in headlights when they look at their profit and loss statement and their KPIs? Um, I can also uh, see myself talking about how to figure out your brand foundation, including things like what are your core values? Why are those important? How to, how to figure out what your core values are and you know, how to infuse that throughout your whole organization to create alignment so that everybody is moving in the same direction, which creates efficiencies and happiness and joy and loyalty. In true Angela Cote style, it will be raw and real. Let me remind you or assure you, um, I'm an entrepreneur too, and I can relate to the ups and downs. So I'll share, you know, the stories and the things that I go through on a daily basis and have gone through in the past, you know, going through uh, starting my own business as a franchise growth catalyst and also sharing stories from my upbringing with uh, with M&M Food Market. So that's actually a perfect segue right now into my backstory. So if we haven't met before, or we haven't, um, you haven't heard any of my uh, interviews that I've been interviewed in or, or videos, you might not know that I grew up with the, the company called M&M Food Market, which is formerly M&M Meat Shops, which a little secret for you originally was called M&M Meat Shops Meats and Fixins. And it's a company that my parents started back in 1980 and uh, grew over the years to almost 500 locations through franchising. So I had the pleasure of dressing up as a kebab, Kelly kebab for that matter, at grand openings because it was a and is a retail frozen food chain. And so I got to dress up as Kelly kebab at grand openings and hand out, you know, samples to kids and hand out balloons, helium balloons, and sometimes even suck the helium of the balloons, which maybe that explains a lot about uh, who I am now and, and how I sound. I don't know. But um you know, it was a great exposure to how to really tap into a local community. All those grand openings that I attended, you know, everything from, I guess, dressing up as a kebab to having the job of separating burgers for the barbecue. You know, we had a, a charity barbecue at these events. And uh, back in those days, we actually gave away the burgers for free and asked for a minimum donation uh, of 50 cents, but it wasn't required. So yeah, you can imagine we had lots of, you know, homeless people and, and people that were a little bit down and out coming in and getting a free lunch. But you know what? That was all part of giving back to the community. That's how we saw it. And it still created a buzz. And, and that led to, you know, newspapers coming out and, and covering it and getting free PR. So um, all in the end worth it, right? You just look at it as a marketing cost. So that's the early days. Uh, I had the, the, the privilege or, or advantage of getting to work in our corporate store, um, working side by side with the franchisees who were being trained in the corporate training and sometimes getting a little bit of uh, an opportunity to train them on certain aspects of the business when I was just a teenager. And then 
when I finished university, going out to Western Canada to work for our area developer for Western Canada for M&M uh, Food Market and working as initially a field trainer. So what I would do is go and set up the store and get the franchise uh, location set up and up and running and train the franchisees and train the, the staff that they had hired and, and help them get their ordering done and um, make projections for what we were going to do for grand opening. And you can only imagine as a young female boss's daughter showing up you know, hi, you know, these older male franchisees that had invested $400,000, which was likely their life savings. Hi, you know, I'm here to help you train, to help you uh, run your business and train you how to do it and train you how to be profitable and successful. And so you can only imagine I got hit with a lot of adversity and resistance. And I was like, well, I've got my business degree, but you know, they're thinking, what risk have you ever experienced? And uh, what do you really know about running a business? So I learned a lot about what doesn't work as a franchise um, field support person and had to then learn how to create buy-in and how to establish credibility and how to, you know, win these franchisees over to help them grow their business and have them listen to me and, and work with me as a partner, you know, in their business. And that led to me doing some work in uh, more of a field consulting role, which was the name of it back then. These days, typically called a franchise business coach. And so I would work with them on per, you know, projections um, for, for budgeting and business planning, how to grow business in their local community, how to motivate their staff, you know, foster that culture of compliance so that they would follow the systems. Um, so that was wonderful uh, exposure for me and experience to the world of franchising. I probably learned the most um, about franchising ever from, from that role. I did skip over. Um, I did work in the, the, the corporate office for a number of years on and off as well before I went out in the field. So I was able to implement some of the things that I had kind of worked on in the corporate office and then go out in the field and see firsthand, you know, what was really going on out there. Anyway, in 2000, I became a multi-unit franchisee of M&M meat shops, it was still called at the time, and uh, opened three locations in about a year and a half. We set some records for sales. And uh, while I'd like to take all the credit for that, um, part of the reason for the, the wild success that we had was because we opened store number 300. And, and then ultimately we opened store number 319 and 327, you know, a year and a half later. And the market was just really ready. And this is this goes to show the value of a brand and the value of franchising. Now, that's not to say we didn't, you know, have to go build business in our local community. We sure did over the years. You know, we had to get out there. We had to keep people um, coming back. We had to give them great service. We had to um, do things to get in front of our customers locally and, you know, stay on their radar and stay in front of them. And this is something that I talk a lot about with, I don't just talk about, I, I help my franchisor clients really um, instill into their corporate culture and into their franchisee culture is that franchising, the beauty of it is you've got local franchisees in the markets that they live with the opportunity to go out and build business in their local community. And I find it to be one of the number one complaints I hear from franchisors, whether that's my clients or people that I meet at, at conferences or get on calls with, they're all looking for 
two things really. One is how can I get more franchisees, which I'll talk about in a minute. And how can I get my franchisees more profitable? And I think what, you know, they say one of the biggest areas that they see and I see is that, that a lot of franchisees are not maximizing that opportunity to grow their business and their local community. And I believe the reason for that is um, because it wasn't set up initially that that was going to be a big part of, of what they need to do and or, you know, not bringing in the right people or, or maybe not supporting and guiding them the way that they need to be. And there are ways to do that. So I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole right now because it's something I'll save for another podcast. But it's something that I got to experience firsthand, both in the field in the late 90s for a few years and then in the shoes of a franchisee, you know, how important it was to make some serious effort to be staying in front of the, the, the customers and the potential customers. You know, I've had somebody say to me once, or not just once, more than once, I've had people say to me, you know, didn't people just come? Like they know the brand. It's an iconic Canadian brand. Everybody knows it. Everybody loves it. Um, but even though people love the brand, doesn't mean they're going to put on the brakes and, you know, turn into your parking lot and come and shop at your store. You know, we had to, we had to continuously stay on top of those efforts to stay uh, top of mind for our consumers. So that is something that's ingrained in me and that I talk a lot about. Um, and I really try to help uh, my clients and, and, and their franchisees with. Um, so along the way, after becoming a franchisee and been working in that, not working, but owning my own stores for a number of years, it started to feel like I needed to do something for myself. And so I actually hired a career coach and did some work and, and some, some strengths finding and soul searching and networking. And, you know, I was trying to kind of do something different. I thought, let's get away from the franchise world for now. And, and if, you know, if, if I find myself back there at some point, fine, but let's just see what else is out there. And I spent some time, you know, networking with different um, communities in my local market. And while I was out networking, I just found that I kept getting asked the same question um, along the lines of my friend is thinking about franchising their business. Would you go meet with them for coffee? They want to understand what's involved or my friend has started franchising their business and they're really stuck. They can't understand or figure out what to do next. Um, you know, they, they've spent a lot of money already, you know, would you go meet with them and give them some advice? And so the more I did this, the more I realized that there was a, an opportunity for this in the market and that I could use the skills and unique talents that I had acquired over time and my perspective. So I could use that to, to help people that are trying to franchise their business or stuck somewhere along the way. So I came up with the term with, with the help of another coach and, and brand strategist, the term franchise growth catalyst. Um, I realized early on that the term franchise consultant implied that I was doing franchise sales, which wasn't really my plan. And I did have people saying at that time, I will tell you that, you know, I had a lot of mental roadblocks about it because I had people saying to me, early franchisors don't have any money. They're not going to be able to afford to pay you what you're going to need to be paid. I also had people saying um, that uh, there's a lot of people already out there doing that. And I even had my own voices in my head saying that, like, why would someone hire me? So I started out on the sort of smaller level thinking, okay, well, I'll just see if I can find a few people and see if this is sort of a thing. Cause we still had our stores going at the time. And I thought, okay, you know, I'm, uh, my kids are a little bit older now. I can, I can contribute to the family income. I'll start doing this. And um, so I started on the smaller side, but as I went along, and hopefully this is inspiring to people listening, I started to realize that 
that it wasn't about being completely different and having to put myself out there as this whole different thing. It was more that I was just being authentic about how I was doing things and being honest and real and using my expertise. Um, and then I started, you know, creating content and, and putting myself out there through an e-newsletter back then and various ways. And I had to get over the hurdle that I thought that I needed to be super original, um, you know, have content that nobody else had. It was more about me making personal connections with people, building relationships and then having the content so that they could look at who, who was Angela Cote or who is Angela Cote um, and ensuring that I understood what I was talking about. So that was more of a, more than anything, I guess, to establish credibility, you know, putting out content and showing up at various uh, franchise conferences all over North America. Um, so that's really kind of what led me to now. Um, just a quick side note, we've since sold our stores, our M&M Meat Shop stores, and um, my husband's on to his next best thing. And uh, my dad actually sold the company to private equity about six years ago. Um, so we still had our stores for about four or five years of that, which was interesting. It was a great um, opportunity to experience the transition from, you know, the original owner who was the visionary behind the company to a leadership team that was hired by the, the private equity company. Um, so that was an interesting experience for sure. Gave me more great perspective that I can speak about when I'm working with my clients. So, um, so that's, that's where I'm at now. I've had a, a lot of, um, I feel very fortunate. I've had a lot of amazing mentors um, come into my life or, you know, that I've reached out to have been willing to help me. Um, you know, people that see what I'm doing. And, um, you know, I think, I think one of the things that I'm doing that's different than some of the other people out there that are, that are doing, you know, the similar kind of work where they're helping people figure out whether franchising is a fit for them or they're helping people along through franchising. I think one of the differences for me is that I'm really trying to uh, bust the myth that franchising is turnkey. And by that, what I mean is franchising a business seems like it would be relatively straightforward. Now, anybody that's listening to this that has done it is probably laughing because if you think back to when you first started, I'm guessing you were probably thinking something along the lines of, okay, I've got a profitable business or I might have a few locations of a profitable business. You know, you might have three. It might be whether that's bricks and mortar or it might be one big territory that you're servicing. You know, it might be property services that are like mobile business services. I've got this uh, profitable business and I want to grow and I don't want to take on more debt. So I'm going to find franchisees, people in local markets who want to help grow this business. And these franchisees will invest the money to grow the business and they will love, they'll, because they've decided to invest, they must love what I'm doing. So they will follow the systems. So I'm sure if you're a franchisor and you've got, you know, at least a few franchisees, you're probably laughing right now because you've probably thought that and realized that that didn't actually happen because there's so much more to it than that. And uh, the other, I want to point out the other reason that, uh, I hear all the time people why people want to franchise their business is because they get asked by their clients or their friends and family, hey, are you franchising this? You know, I might consider this. And so they, they're looking at it and going, um, 
well, I've got demand. It seems easy, um, relatively easy. It's I've had many people say to me, I feel like this is a more passive way to grow my business rather than growing corporately. Um, so I'm trying to help them understand that there's so much more involved than you know, just finding franchisees and, and, you know, the support side of things is, is a really big deal. And then also finding the right franchisees. I'm also trying to bust the myth that being a franchisee is turnkey. I never liked that, especially when I was the female uh, boss's daughter showing up, as I mentioned before, to help the franchisee get up and running. Notice the word help. The goal wasn't to send the, the field staff in to do everything and the franchisee literally walks up the day we open, turns a key and turns on the lights and business shows up. As a franchisee, there's a lot of hard work involved. And when, when we would meet the franchisees, the field team, we would say, okay, you know, we have, we have guided them in advance for hiring their staff and, um, and you know, ordering the, the things that they needed to order. And so they were doing that work. We were just guiding them. So that's why it gets called turnkey. But when we got there, you know, we'd be that first week there before we opened, before we had a soft opening, we'd be doing everything from like assembling the barbecue to hanging the pictures on the wall to inserting shelves into the freezer, which wasn't turned on yet. Thank goodness. Um, And we had times where, you know, the freezer wouldn't get to the right temperature and we had 30 to $50,000 worth of product in there. And uh, well, it would have been at the right temperature, but then it goes up. And so the franchisee, when we when they were under the impression it was turnkey, we actually had franchisees saying, well, you're this is turnkey. You're going to stay and wait, right? Like in the night till 2 a.m. or whatever it is until the freezer gets cold or, you know, deal with the freezer company. And it was like, no, no, no. Um, it's your franchise. It's your business. We're here to support you. So um, that, that turnkey analogy or theory just, you know, um, bit us in the back, you know, more times than we wanted to as field support. And I think, you know, it was easy for the salesperson to call it that, but the actual, uh, field team felt it and thought, you know, if these franchisees had come in with more clear expectations of, you know, what's expected of them, then this would have all been off to a better start. So, I like to talk a lot about, you know, busting that myth and about what the DNA of a franchisee is. Um, There's a podcast interview I've been interviewed on by Social Geek Radio um, on the the DNA of a franchisee, as well as the Franchise Rising podcast, similar topic. Um, I have a white paper on it. If you're interested, I'm happy to send that to you. And I think it helps a lot when you, you know, understand what you're looking for. But anyway, I'm starting to digress here. So that is, uh, I wanted to give you a sense of, you know, the way that I think and my, um, my mentality about franchising, you know, having lived and breathed, I call it my F3 advantage, the franchisor um, experience, the franchisee perspective, and then my time in the field, you know, field support um, experience as well. And having lived and breathed deeply in all those areas is really, um, I think where I've learned, well, obviously not just, I think it's definitely where I've learned, learned as well, as much as I've learned. And so I'll just sort of review the two main areas that I help people because I, I thought this might be a good starter podcast for people that also are asking me like, what do you do? Um, you know, how do you help people? 
So I want to answer those two questions. So what I do is, is in two main areas. I sort of said it before, but just to really be clear, I help very early franchisors navigate where to spend their time, money, and energy to get their franchise off the ground and or even assess whether they should be franchising. So if they come to me and they haven't started yet, that's even better. So we can go through the criteria, but if they've started and they started to invest in franchising, then I'll still help them assess whether it makes sense to go forward because there's probably a ton more money that needs to be invested to get the franchise to where it needs to go. If they've, um, if they've started and, um, they're further along and, and they're maybe considered an emerging franchisor, which there's the jury is out on what that really means. But, you know, I'll just say they've got more than a few franchises uh, operating. Then I can help them or I do help them, I should say, tighten up their franchise legion efforts um, and their franchise recruitment processes so that they can attract the right candidates to their team. And I'll help them tighten up their support systems so they foster a culture of compliance and performance. So how I do this is through one-on-one coaching and advising, and that can be anything from me coaching and guiding and and being like a business partner with the franchisor and helping them think through how how they're supporting the franchisees and why the franchisees aren't compliant and like brainstorming that as a neutral third party with my franchise background. Um, it may be that, it may, so it may be me having conversations and strategy sessions with the franchisor themselves, or sometimes it might include me getting in front of the franchisees and having uh, either one-on-one conversations or monthly uh, workshops with the franchisees or whatever's needed. We look for that area and I get in there and help use this perspective that I've got my F3 advantage to help, um, figure out what's going on and then make recommendations on what needs to change, help, help implement that um, going forward in terms of the franchise recruitment and lead gen efforts, how that's come about is I've been working with, and I've worked with a number of clients, uh, you know, in the past four or so years. And what I've noticed is they often come to me because they've got franchisees that are compliant or, or that they're not maximizing the opportunity. And the problem doesn't usually start there. It usually starts from the franchise recruitment process. Everything from who you attracted in to the expectations you set up during the franchise recruitment process. So as I continued to work with people, I realized more and more that I needed to really get clear on what people were missing in the franchise recruitment process. So I spent a lot of time, money, and energy of my own. And if, if you know, if you've known me for a while, you'll know that I attend a lot of franchise conferences. I do that not only for the the uh, the prospecting and meeting new clients and the networking with the franchise world, but also for the education. So I've really made sure that I've balanced my time to not just, you know, learn about um, or, or, you know, validate what I know about franchisee support, but also to work to learn more about what are the best practices in franchise recruitment and what what are people doing? What are the modern approaches, you know, so that I can teach that to my clients and make sure that we're starting out right from the start. So if I'm working with somebody who already has some problem franchisees, we can do both. We can work on potentially turning these franchisees around or, or if we need to help them get out of the system and, or 
we can work on, you know, the front end stuff. I guess I'm kind of doing that backwards. I'm using my hands right now as I speak. If you're listening to this, that won't make sense. But, um, but I'm, you know, also working on the front end with making sure that we bring in the right candidates um, and, and how to know they're the right candidates. How can we know that? I mean, we never know 100%, but there's definitely a lot of things we can do to surface the red flag. So I have a whole process that I, I can teach where we can look at it and like compare notes to what you're currently doing and see if we can find some areas to tweak um, and gaps that maybe haven't been thought of to really refine that. So it's typically one-on-one coaching and advising that I do. That can be in an ongoing longer-term relationship or sometimes project-based. I've got a few options there. However, I can't um, forget to mention how much I love the opportunity to share my insights and facilitate sessions at franchise company conferences. Um, you know, this, this actually stemmed from teaming up with a, a colleague and friend named Justin Waltz, who created a process called an innovation storm and wrote a book about it um, called Disrupt From Within, which includes uh, information as well on franchise performance groups, which I'm also a huge fan of and love to help people figure out and implement. Um, but long story short, if you're looking for something lively and collaborative um, for your, you know, getting your franchisees fired up and aligned at your next franchise conference, reach out to me and we can chat about whether these sessions might be a fit for your next conference. Um, This can apply to whether there are 10 franchisees or a hundred. So that is, uh, that's, that's what I do. I work on going with people, coaching and advising, and I also do um, interactive sessions as well as, as presentations uh, to teach bigger groups. So on that note, lastly, I'll just share uh, examples of clients I've worked with. I've worked with uh, bricks and mortar and um, mobile service businesses, everything from I'm working with a hormone weight loss center, uh, an inter, inter, sorry, not intercultural, a uh, influential multicultural uh, child care center who's doing really well. I'm super excited to be working with uh, kids coding franchises and even a cat hotel, which you may know because I talk about it a lot on my social media. Um, I've worked with salons, fitness franchises, tutoring, lawn maintenance, painting. Um, You know, when it comes down to it, it's really not about me being an expert on you know, uh, the type of business it's me being an expert on franchising and let's apply that to your business. So hopefully that provided some value and inspires you to think differently about what you're doing and maybe inspires you to have a conversation with me. I am very approachable and non-invasive in my initial calls with people. I'm happy to just get on a call and and share some insights up front and talk about whether it's a fit. This podcast is not at all meant to be a sales pitch. um, So that is not what this is about. But if that did inspire you to want to have a conversation, I'm here for you. Otherwise, stay tuned for episode number two. I haven't even made a plan yet for what that's exactly going to be. But I have lots of great ideas and I'm sure it will be worth your time. So stay tuned for that. And in the meantime, as always, go be awesome.